If you're struggling to lose weight, you've probably heard about weight loss medications like Wigovi or ZepBound, and you might be wondering if they're right for you. Meet Plush Care, a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. If you qualify, they can safely prescribe you medication from the comfort of your own home. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Want flexibility? Take yoga. Want flexibility with your health insurance? Check out United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly medical, dental, and vision coverage that may be right for you. More at uh1.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. So many of us feel stuck and unsure of how to make positive changes in life. Journaling is a proven way of keeping yourself on track and creating lasting change. The How I Quit Alcohol Playbook will take you through 365 days of gratitude, daily affirmation, and loads of techniques to help you stay on track and head towards a clearer future. Head to the show notes or iquitalcohol.com.au to grab yourself a copy today. Are you sick of feeling controlled by alcohol? Do you want to drink less? Do you wake up on a Sunday morning feeling really anxious and full of regret? I'm Danny Carr and welcome to my podcast, How I Quit Alcohol. Hi and welcome back to How I Quit Alcohol. Today in the studio, back by popular demand, (laughs) I've got Mark Purser from Bamboo Yoga Byron. How are you, Mark? Hi, Danny. I'm really good. Tell you what, you're popular. Popular. Well, it depends where you go. Well, on in the How I Quit Alcohol podcast land, I would say you're very popular. Okay, I'll your, take it. The episode that we did just like smashed it out of the park for downloads. It had a lot of shares and a lot of people commenting and just saying how much they got out of the episode with all your gems of wisdom <laughs> and everything you had to say. Oh, that's great. Well, it's good uh, to know that someone's listening and actually... (laughs) Yeah, for sure. And people are getting value out of what we have to say. True. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, how have you been? Uh, Well, busy. As I mentioned to you earlier, I'm going overseas next week, which is always a little bit daunting. It sets off a little (gasps) bit of anxiety in me. Uh, However... I am... I try to be the silence in the midst of the storm and, and keep... Stay balanced and grounded through through that. I'm going away for the best part of two months, so there's a fair bit to consider prior uh, doing lots of practice, mm. trying to stay steady staying through steady. all of that. Mm. Yeah, staying steady is what it's all about. Tell me honestly, because <laughs> you like I've listened, you know, listened back to the podcast and I've read a lot about what you do, and um, you know, do you have moments where you're not steady, where you're not okay? Do you oh lose your shit at the airport at your Goodness, kids? Yes, <laughs> you do. Yeah, for sure. 
Absolutely. That's like so good to last know. week I was actually running to Sydney and I had just finished running a course actually and I was bolting to get to the airport and didn't get to the airport in time. Actually, I managed to get on the plane, but I I missed the baggage check-in and I'm standing at Ballina Airport just going, of course, all the time. I lose my shit guaranteed once a day. Oh, you do? There you go. absolutely. It's really nice to know that, you know, I say this with people I work with too, like I do not have my shit sorted out completely. Mm. Like it might not last for as long. The little spack outs may, you know, they don't take hold for two days perhaps mm. but there's still these moments where you know we lose our shit and yeah absolutely. You know, we're fucking human and that's okay i think that's really okay. important it's totally okay to lose your shit and see that for what it is for whatever reason life is complicated and mm. if you're not having a complicated life whoopee for you uh, <laughs> <laughs> but my life is busy and it's complicated i have kids i have a business i have friends and family and and things to attend to and responsibility and one of the challenges it's sort of a a double-edged sword is when you stop drinking and become more responsible the chances are you're going to get more responsibility and responsibility is not always easy and responsibility requires generally speaking us to do to do things that aren't all about us uh, mm. and go to things, be present for things, be present for other people. And, and that can be stressful. That's so true. Even being the designated driver. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. <laughs> you got to wait for everyone else. I try and avoid that one wherever possible, but yeah. sure. Oh, yeah. me too. U- Uber's great. Just, get a fucking yeah, Uber. Yeah, get an Uber. Yeah, I'm not driving anyone anywhere, especially to parties, especially if they're drinking because it's like... I'll drop them off. I'll drop you off. Yeah. <laughs> I can't guarantee a pickup though. <laughs> Not guaranteeing a pickup. No. I love it. <laughs> okay, for all you designated drivers out there, promise the drop off, not the not the uh, drop back. Not yeah, the, yeah. Not the return trip. Yeah, no thanks. Mm. But, uh, I, I mean, look, I, I possibly would if I was awake, but the you know, stark reality of my lifestyle is there's not a lot of late nights involved these days. I mean, I just look. I haven't drunk for so long. That, I mean, I'm talking sort of over 10 years that my lifestyle has shifted a lot and I get up really early. I practice yoga in the morning. I do things that are busy with work. I I do a lot of writing and I require a lot of my energy for that. Mm. I don't have, I actually would like to go out more. I feel maybe COVID's maybe possibly less fun than I already would have been, but Mm -hmm. uh, I'm looking forward to getting probably into some music festivals in the next 12 months. Yeah. Doing some traveling, which will be, you know, as generally speaking, uh, invites a bit of fun. I feel like the world's been a bit boring recently. Uh, yeah. I, I would like to go out more and I, and I probably will. I'm sure that will happen in the next 12 months, but it, it, it won't happen with alcohol. You know, there's so many wonderful ways to mm. go out and party and have a really good time and, and then leave when you want to and be able to drive home under your own terms. Under your own terms. Absolutely. Yeah. It's, oh my God, yes, sobriety is like doing life under your own terms, mm. isn't it? When you really take hold of it. It's an interesting thing that you brought up too, that now that the whole kind of COVID thing's seemingly dying down and there's no more lockdowns and all the rest of it, but people, are, we are starting to go out and venture out and even going overseas like yourself and perhaps catching up with family or going to events and music festivals are back mm. on and gigs. And that can kind of, 
push your edges a little bit sometimes when you've you've kind of been in a cocoon. Mm. And particularly if you've gone on the sobriety path, if you haven't gone all trash bag with COVID, mm. <laughs> which I hear about all the time. But, you know, if you've been in this sort of bubble of sobriety and you're kind of, you know, grounding down at home and you're doing all that stuff, now you're kind of venturing out into the world, there can be all these extra kind of triggers and challenges that you may not have considered or they might kind of sneak up on you a little bit to go, oh, that's kind of triggering for me or mm. my social anxiety is showing up now that I hadn't really had to deal with. And and just the normal stresses of life, like being late for the airport or fucking missing the bag, the baggage thing and you know there's stuff mm. and it's those little things too which can all of the things I, I recall when I stopped drinking in those first few years that doing something for the first time was really mm. significant first so, I remember going yeah. to my first wedding which was actually in Bali and it was one of my best friends weddings and I hadn't seen him since I'd gotten sober actually and it was a lot of my old mates who I hadn't seen for the best part of a year and I really wanted to go to this wedding it was important for me uh and I just I came up with a strategy and because for me in the past a wedding was you know particularly with free alcohol and it was in Bali Mm. I knew these guys we knew it was going to be loose it was Mm -hmm. but there was also a lot of people I found out when I got there who actually were sober and and Mm. and were doing this wedding completely differently and I I had support and I had, I talked to people before I went and I went through, I had a great time and I partied and I had a really good time. But then, as I said, I, I, I left on my own terms. Were you nervous leading up to it? Yeah. Mm, how yeah. did you deal with your nerves? I talked to people about it. You know, I had a oh. couple of, a few really good support people in my life at that time. And I think I was pretty much 12 months sober, give or take. And uh, so it was the first sort of, big social event I'd had. It was the first time I'd seen a lot of these people within that period of time. And it was a wedding. Yeah, I was really nervous, but I just spoke to people about it. And, uh, you know, I was pretty connected in AA at that time. And I had a, a few really good people who just talked me through it. And yeah, I mean, everyone's done it before. You're not the first person in the world to get sober and you're not the first person in the world to go to a wedding sober. And sure enough, it was, it was fine. It was fun. And likewise, so many other things, dealing with grief, getting into a new relationship. I mean, for me, there was a breakup involved uh, in early sobriety. And I've seen people go through all of those different things in different capacities and you deal with it. It, it, It's, Mm. but you need to come up with different coping strategies. For me, I realized the reason I probably used to drink so much when I would go to a wedding was because I was anxious. Yeah. And, and I was that social anxiety and I needed to find better ways to deal with my social anxiety. Yeah. Uh, so, I'm, I mean, if I was going to go to a wedding now and I would lo- love weddings. So if anyone's out there getting married, please invite me. I, I miss, I'm getting a bit old for weddings, uh, but I love them. They're like love festivals. Yeah. I They're just the, the coolest thing. Yeah. Uh, and great food, always, hopefully, always dancing. And it's a really good time, you know, celebrating the love of a couple of people. And I would personally, if I was going to be going to a wedding and that might happen because someone might hear this and, and choose to invite me, uh, <laughs> I would probably do some meditation that day, prepare myself. Like I'm, if I'm going to go to any party or a festival, I want to have a good time. So generally I can feel that anxiety mm. 
coming up and I would try to make sure I do some practice in that day. Mm. Uh, I find you, particularly if it's at night, because I do get tired, I'll, I, I would uh, do a yoga nidra practice in the afternoon so I feel rested. Mm. I think being wakeful is, is good. So when we get a bit too tired, I think there's more of an inclination towards anxiety. Mm. Uh, so yoga nidra practice in the afternoon, I think, is for me, that's my panacea for most things to be honest mm. uh, and I would definitely be doing that before I'm sort of planning in my head I'm planning my festival strategy for two, summer 2022 <laughs> well it's so important to have a plan you know mm. if you're going out on the weekend having a plan you know and that can I'd get really specific with people if I've if, especially in early sobriety mm. I'd be like write down your plan, or even daily, your daily plan of how you're going to get through that night. Mm. But when you've got an event coming up, down to what you're going to wear, what you're going to drink when you get there, phone ahead, find out what alcohol-free options are going to, like really quite full on. What you're going to do if you feel triggered, mm. you know, take yourself off to the toilet, do some breathing, like what are you going to do and what's your plan? Mm. Down to every single detail, you know, mm. and so important. It's so important. so important, and and then have that lifeline, someone to call if things. Someone yeah. who knows that you're there, who knows that you're sober, and knows how important it is for you to be sober. And mm. so when things get a little bit tense, I've just got to pop out and make a phone call. Yes, phone your friend who'll hopefully just laugh at you and just go, "It's fine. How are you going?" And and yeah. it's that that's they're the sort of friends I think you need to be successful in sobriety to to mm-hmm. be able to have that level of connection where you can just you know you can call someone who just gets it gets how silly it is but also how important it is and and mm-hmm. it's the smallest things can just become the biggest things but yeah. with the right attitude and with through sharing that with another human we dissolve often the tension that that comes with it absolutely um and sharing with people it also enables you to celebrate at the end i find Mm. i've just had with my challenge group a couple of the people in it had some big events coming up this weekend just gone and they'd shared with the group what was coming up and so we could all feel we felt for them you know like what was happening you know what were you do you know what you were going to what were you going into and what was being triggered what do you think is going to be triggered for Mm. you and you know obviously making ourselves available if they need to call us but then afterwards everyone checking in the next day and like, how did you go? How did you go? And then they report back going, oh my God, it was, it was amazing. And this one came up to me and asked me all about my sobriety. And mm. this one told me well done. And it wasn't, you know, one of the ladies this morning, I was on a call with her this morning and she said she'd built it up into this huge thing. And it was actually really easy and simple and awesome. And she got home, she felt amazing. And we got to celebrate that with her afterwards and we all kind of got a bit of that joy as well so when you share with someone they also get to share in the celebration afterwards it's a shared victory it's a shared victory because they get it like if i tell most members of my family who you know they're not really connected to my journey with i mean they are connected to my journey with alcohol but they don't get it like because a lot of them still drink if i oh you know i did this thing i've been I think my mum, you know, I told her I was, I'd been sober for 10 years and, and she sees the significance of that. But other people, oh, yeah, that's nice, you know. But for me, in doing all the things that I've done, there's a special symbology. and Not, not symbology, there's a reality to it. It's like, wow, this is significant. This mm-hmm. stuff wouldn't have happened if I'd have stayed drinking. 
My yeah. life as it exists right now would not have happened as it exists. I probably wouldn't be getting on a plane to go to Europe next week. I mm. certainly wouldn't be in a relationship with the person I'm in, mm. in a relationship with now because I wouldn't have been able to be present enough to to satisfy her. And I mean, one of my characteristics when I was drinking was to not be present. And, and that was because I was anxious and I become, become so anxious in a relationship that I would check out in yeah. various different ways. Yeah, I can relate to that. I'm sure a lot of people listening can relate to that as It's well. really common, yeah. And seeing somebody who gets into a new relationship for the first time, even if it's you know, not a relationship that's going to last forever, but has the guts to go out on a date or, or whatever it is, surmounting those obstacles, which are usually anxiety related for mm. most people, overcoming those anxieties. And if you're seeing, witnessing somebody else going through that and you're sharing that journey with other people, that's awesome. It's the best thing. Mm. I think to see other human beings transcend into that better version of themselves whatever that looks like i mean for some people it might be tiny but for some person who's been rampantly alcoholic for a long period of time to have a day off drinking is, is massive yeah and just to those simple things that happen with sobriety you know ad- admitting that they need help wow what a yeah. victory yeah and it's those simple little things that you get through those little victories that you have that um to someone else might not seem like much but to you it's a it's a huge, it's a huge win, and it's a big Absolutely. victory. Absolutely, yeah, yeah, it is. It's look, a great victory is the sum total of of lots of little victories. Yeah, and we often, I think, get a bit lost looking for this idealized version of our own lives that we want to be here doing this and have this incredibly transcendental life. But the reality, what that looks like, is lots of choices made along the way. You know, mm. tough choices and in fronting up where we probably didn't really feel like doing that and mm. having the guts to to say no to things and, and also mm. having the guts to say yes to things. Yeah, yeah. It's both, isn't it? It's mm, like absolutely. having the guts to say no and yes. And the cultivation of that wisdom to, you know, know, know the difference between what is right and connecting to our highest potential, connecting to mm. our dharma and getting that feel of of what is the best version of myself and i think most people who mm. i would like to think that are considering stopping drinking or have stopped drinking have that light mm. in their life and and have that vision of well we sort of feel like okay i'm i'm definitely not i'm not living my best life whilst i'm drinking we don't really know what the other life is i think a lot of us have a picture of what we think we would like it to be Mm. but when we feel into that more and more that's what i think keeps us sober Mm. a little bit of horror it often gets us sober like oh my goodness you know i don't want to do that again that might keep you sober for a little while yeah but it's the light that is going to keep you sober connecting Mm. to that best version of yourself and moving taking little baby steps Towards that person, towards yeah, towards that the person, light, yeah. towards that light, mm. and and accepting that they are going to be baby steps too. Then they're not going to be giant leaps and bounds for most of the time. It's it, it, and that's there's a beauty in that. Just accepting things for how they are and where they are, and also being accepting of the suffering that we've been through. Of like, oh my goodness, you know that 
humiliation or you know whatever I did when I was drinking that's okay too you know that yeah. that was okay too it was just me I was unwell for whatever reason and that's how I dealt with it and and mm. that was okay you know and, and I'm going to be compassionate with myself I'm going to try and make things right where where it's possible but I'm also I'm not going to punish myself for that for years and years yeah when you get that feeling when you think back on something that you've done when you were drunk mm. and you get that ooh in your tummy and mm. your, your stomach churns and you you feel that tightness in your chest what i find really helpful is just to to breathe into it and to be with it don't try and push it back down again but kind of let it come up through you mm. but also recognizing exactly what you said that that person wasn't very well well that person like have some compassion towards that person who was making mm. those shitty choices because they weren't in the best <laughs> they weren't in their best place and also thinking mm. to look how far I've come from being that person mm. and I don't need to do that anymore that's not me anymore and mm. kind of letting that go a bit and just giving it that just shining the light on it rather than keeping it there in the dark yeah 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 i have a a, a friend actually uh named Jody who lives in this area and often she, she told me this story. She traveled around in India with a Buddhist monk for some period of time. And this monk had the mantra, good enough, mm. good enough. And that was his spiritual practice was chanting that all day. Good enough, good enough. Good enough. And just acceptance of this is it. This is where I'm at. And it's good enough. Oh, that'd make a great t-shirt. Good, good enough. enough. Wouldn't it? Let's mm. do that. We were going and to do some other merch for the last I'll, I'll gift it one back to Jodie. Funny, she just told me that incidentally. And I love how things travel. That she told me she traveled in, this is five or six years ago. And it's just stuck with me. And I've gone off and studied all these beautiful Sanskrit Vedic mantras. And I hear this Tibetan monk who's just the simple practice of good enough. And I was like, wow, isn't that profound? The simple practice of good enough. I love mm. that. It is a simple but yet so profound practice you know into this acceptance of what's showing up and and if things got really shitty if things got really shitty for you on the journey just you know having some acceptance around that and some sometimes it's just your greatest gift mm. you know it can be your greatest gift those shitty events oh pain my great teacher mm. there is so much wisdom in the suffering there really is uh when you become uncomfortable enough that's often when we have the courage to actually make the change yeah and, and without that level of discomfort most of us don't change and and we just and if we're fortunate enough i know they they talk about in in aa there's that that gift of desperation which mm. when you are desperate you're going to do things that you don't usually do one of which is generally to reach out and ask for help Yep. I'm so desperate. Last thing that most people want to do is go, hey, help me. You know, I've got a problem with drinking. Yeah. Uh, drinking comes with so much, drinking excessively comes with so much shame mm. that for us to get to that point where we're really willing to just reach out, acknowledge that to ourselves, ad admit that to other people and then ask for help in how do we figure out this problem? That's a significant step for the vast majority of people. And I think when we get to that, there's an incredible gift if we're prepared yeah. to listen to, to yeah. the advice and accept that help when it comes. Yeah. And I always feel like too, like don't waste your suffering. 
Mm. Don't waste it by pushing it down and losing all the hidden gems that are within Mm. it. And I know that can be hard for someone to hear that or to take that on, especially if you're in immense suffering right now. Mm. You know, knowing that when you come out the other side, if you do lean into it and experience it and, and you'll find that there's something, there was a great learning in there, there was a great lesson or a beautiful gift within that mm. suffering feel the feelings yeah have the courage to feel the feelings and that's where meditation is a great gift i think when we're newly sober we're so raw that sometimes those feelings are uh a bit icky. yeah a bit icky and, and yeah. overwhelmed we don't know how to, to deal with them but that's i mean i think for people who are going to be successful in sobriety some practice of meditation is almost compulsory that you really need to learn. And what meditation really is in its essence is this practice of developing emotional well-being, developing skills in, in actually how do we deal with our mind and how do we deal with the constructs of our mind and getting to know our trauma, getting to know our anxiety and being able to sit with all the things, all the feelings, good, bad or indifferent and actually have compassion about it and not let those whims of the day whether that's feeling wonderful or not feeling wonderful don't let that overwhelm us just Mm. that that is the gift of meditation that is the the goal of meditation so we can become Mm. as i say equanimous with with whatever comes yeah and the meditation thing oh i love meditation so much and i used to hate it so much Mm. and I just love it. I love it. And I also teach a little bit of it to the people I work with because it is so important. But and this we kind of touched on this in the last podcast, but it's not to think nothing. It's not to transcend and see mm. God's face and all the rest of it. But it is really, for me, it's about becoming aware of my thoughts. Mm. And once we have the awareness, then we can separate from them rather than being all caught up in that story. And, you know, then you're in a movie with this, you know, with the stories and the thoughts. Mm. But to go, oh, I'm actually watching a movie right now. Mm. <laughs> I'm not in the movie. I'm not actually kissing bad Brad Pitt right now. Unfortunately. <laughs> but, you know, so it's just that awareness. And if it's just, I don't know if you would, what your, your take on this would be, but I say to people too, even if it's a few minutes of stillness, just, just mm. sit and just observe your thoughts and go, oh, there's a thought. There's a thought. It's a, as a starting yeah, yeah as a way to get started. absolutely i'm a huge proponent of the the simple meditation practice done regularly rather yeah. than the big meditation practice that we have to do and and i think that's often when you you think about meditation or we we hear about meditation presented it does sound quite serious and uh, I know I've gone and done meditation courses where they've said no you need to do half an hour in the morning and half an hour at the night or else don't bother that's what uh, I was taught, 25 and, and 25. Yeah, which is a, a lovely ideal. And, and look, maybe it is possible. And if you can do that, fantastic. But you can start with, with a minute. Uh, I think maybe we did mention this the last time we mm. spoke about the, the one conscious breath. Mm. You, know, you can start right now. Mm-hmm. Stop. Close your eyes. Let's, Let's do, do it. it. Let's do it. Close our eyes. Just watch the breath come in and out. Take a full exhale. And take a full inhale. And exhale. Congratulations. You've just meditated.
<laughs> it really is that simple. It's it, so if you simple. like that, rinse and repeat. And and that that is all it needs to be, that one conscious mm. breath. Be fully present with that conscious breath and then expand upon that. And obviously there's different techniques and, and the techniques have the purpose, but in the tradition that that I teach from is uh, this idea of vairagya, which is detachment. Not, 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 it's not about not caring, it's cultivating spaciousness. So mm. I'm watching the breath, this idea of being the witness, mm. which I'm sure you've heard. It's cultivating that capacity to witness the breath. We can witness the senses, witness sound, sights as they present themselves, witness touch. Mm. Uh, these are all the sort of the components of of different meditation practice. They're all very similar, the different techniques that are used and then ultimately bringing that same capacity to witness touch, uh, witness the senses as you would to witnessing your thoughts and cultivating mm. spaciousness between the thoughts. And probably the reason what, why you enjoy it so much is because you're getting better at it. Yeah. And that's, that's when, right. when you get better at it, when you've done it for a while, there's this feeling of, elation of actually seeing space where there was no space before and and feeling into that experience of deep connection with and that's where you ultimately i think can begin to transcend and i'm seeing feelings sensations and thoughts all in a similar sort of capacity it's just passing stuff and that ultimately Mm. What we're looking for is that aspect of ourselves, which is timeless, which is the same that's connecting me to you and yeah. you to everybody else in, in, in the world. Yeah. Um, and where I find I transcend, you know, in inverted commas, is more not necessarily, like I sure have the blissful moments sometimes in meditation, sometimes for long, you know, sometimes for, oh, I might get a whole minute. <laughs> sometimes I might get a, a half a second. Um, I've never, ever got, you know, 10 minutes of just full nothingness. Mm. Um, but you know, it's a work in progress, but for me, the transcendence is almost in the noticing of my thoughts throughout the day then. Mm. So how that meditation now carries on into my day. So if I do start to wig out, lose the shit at the airport or whatever, you can actually, you're in there for a minute, but then you can go, oh, hang on. And you've got that kind of. Um, that distance from it, you can, you've got the ability because you're training your mind to be able mm. to witness what's happening rather than caught up in it. And contextualize stuff, absolutely. I mean, look, that's the the meditation practice that we do sitting on a cushion or on a mat or wherever you practice. The quiet, closed eyes meditation is, that's the training ground. Mm. The game is, 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 is outside. The game is at the airport. <laughs> yeah. The game is the family reunion or the wedding or whatever it is that the place that you go to, your general life, turning up to work, being present where, where you are actually being challenged. And then those <laughs> skills, can you still find spaciousness at, uh, within, you know, I, I think the family reunion is always, always a cracker when we get our, our extended families together. Uh, I know my brother and sister, whom I love deeply, you know, they, they conspire to together to, to trigger me. And and they, they mm. for them it's sport. You know, <laughs> making me upset is a game and, and I have to uh, 
yeah, I, there's nothing I can do about it. They enjoy it thoroughly. So I just have to figure out a way to not lose myself in, in that. Mm, but that's right. It's That's when you bring it into your real life. And that's when the meditation starting to kick in. Now, for me, that didn't happen straight away. No. It, it took quite a long time of the practice of, of doing it regularly and doing it non-judgmentally. But... And of course, you know, still losing it from time to time. But the more I practice, the more I, you know, slip into that, the more I become aware of what's going on in my day to day and my own reactions to things. And that's why I think meditation is so key because in this recovery thing, noticing when, when they're triggered and they're feeling a discomfort and then they want to drink because of the discomfort that Mm. they're feeling, whether it's social anxiety or stress from work or someone they love has just died and they don't want to sit in that pain. They want to go for the the drink to Mm. kind of calm it. So this is where meditation really comes in because you can then exactly just have that witness, you know, witnessing Mm. it and going, well, it's okay. And I don't have to go for that drink anymore. I can just see what's happening and what, why I'm having that, why I'm having that impulse for whatever, why I'm feeling anxious and what we, can do through this practice of meditation is we can take it to a whole different level. And there's this concept, uh, philosophical construct that we work with in meditation of karma and samskara. So we're dealing with the whole field of karma. And once you become more proficient in meditation, we can start to see ourselves from a helicopter view. So Mm. it's not just a question of why I'm anxious in this moment right now. I can begin to, over time, see the whole scope of my life. I look at, through my practice, have become to understand that over time, I'm seeing trauma as it's sort of fed down through my family line Mm. and through my life, through various incidents and for whatever else. You know, I got to a point as a teenager, I was really anxious. Mm-hmm. I had no idea I was really anxious mm-hmm. at that time, but I really, and of course I was. And if I look now, I said, look at all the things that have happened and even tracing down the family line through generations, I could, there was just inherent trauma mm-hmm. that was passed down through various sources and through the practice of meditation. I've, I've begun to unpack all of that so I can develop a lot of compassion for myself. Yeah. And of course I was going to do that. Mm. Of course. I didn't have a choice. Yeah. I was a really damaged young man. And even though I didn't want to be damaged and I didn't certainly didn't want anyone else to think I was damaged, I can see it now and go, wow, I, I had a uh, – and I'm not – it shouldn't be a pissing competition either to see who's got the, got the most horrific story. If I think most people are, are coming – into their reality, particularly people who are dealing with uh, drug and alcohol issues, it's they're not just doing it for no reason. It's it's no, never. usually abuse is coming of substance abuse is is we're, we're using it for a reason, and and the reason is trauma, and and mm. the so the answer then becomes compassion. And, and understanding and insight to actually begin to, we can do a lot more than just stop drinking. I mean, that really is kind of the starting point and that at, to be successful in stopping drinking, there's then the obligation to begin to unpack. And that's, that's the joy mm. that, that you mentioned before. I think of we're really, I'm, 
I'm doing the work. Mm. I'm in this process of beginning to understand who I am and how I am. And slowly through this practice of meditation, particularly I think when we're working with those mindfulness-based practices of unpacking mm. our patterns, what we talk about in yoga is samskara and vasanas and vritti, which are these sort of behaviors that get, I have a sense impression, which is a, whatever it is, it's, uh, it gets called a samskara. And if I have similar sense impressions over a period of time, they're called vasanas. So it becomes, it's like a groove in a record. Mm-hmm. And that begins to influence my behavior mm-hmm. and good or bad. And, then that becomes a vritti, which is a, a modification of the mind. In fact, Patanjali... personality? That becomes your personality, yeah. Mm-hmm. And a vritti is, is a really important term uh, in yoga of this modification of the mind. And that actually the definition of yoga as it's given uh, in the Patanjali Yoga Sutras is uh, yoga chitta vritti naroda, which is yoga is the unblocking or the uh, pacification of these modifications of the mind. So yoga is the actual settling of these modifications of the mind. So it's like a settling of the behavior or the patterns. Correct. Mm-hmm. Yes. So yoga in this idea is being enlightenment or, or contentment. I often talk about it just in terms of contentment being okay mm. for you to be content, to be in this experience of connection, which is yoga is to be in this experience of just settling the mind stuff. So all of trauma, avritti is a, is a trauma. And I love this new dialogue that's coming into the, the, the public domain more and more, uh, the way we're looking at trauma and mm. seeing it from a much more compassionate viewpoint and a much more realistic viewpoint. And one of the things I introduce in, in uh, all of our courses is the first, everybody is traumatized. Mm. Everybody. Mm. Some people don't know it or, or won't accept it, but mm. everybody is. If, yeah. you, if you've accepted that you're traumatized, you're actually way ahead of a mm. lot of people. Well, so many of us have trauma and it's not, you've talked about this before on the podcast, but it's not always the big T stuff, the big mm. T trauma, the, the sexual abuse or the physical abuse, but it can just be what they call, you know, like a relational Trauma, so perhaps mm. the, the non-attunement with the parent or the parent was too busy to attune properly with the child. The child didn't feel they could express their emotions properly and therefore it creates a pattern then of how that child ends up dealing with their stuff or what they make that mean about themselves. Mm. And often what I find what comes up with um, people with alcohol issues is a sense of not being enough, mm. not being enough and not being important. Mm. And so when you don't feel enough, you know, that can be triggered off every day 20 times a day and it just sets off this um, emotional flashback mm. that we're having which actually goes back to this little child that didn't feel enough yeah it's nothing really to do with the fact that your husband didn't wash the dishes yeah or the tradie didn't turn up on time or mm. you know but we can those we can be triggered by that stuff so mm. yeah so it's i mean it's such big work and it's so like to go at this work with a, a sense of curiosity Mm. not feeling like, oh, I'm bad or I'm damaged, but to actually look at yourself, especially that perhaps the, the, the alcohol, the alcohol fueled version of you and to say, wow, just to have some curiosity about that person. Mm. Like, and what was that person going through? You know, and like, 
compassion for that person. So much compassion for that person rather than this, you know, um, one of the local dog walkers here, uh, Lissy, her name is, she's down on the beach all the time. She's a dog trainer. Mm-hmm. And she was telling me about another local dog trainer who she's been in a bit of a stoush with because this trainer, when the dog, if the dog runs off and then comes back, he's teaching people to hold the dog down and sort of shame it and, mm-hmm. and get into it. Where her approach would be when the dog does come back, actually give it some love and affection and tell it well done because mm-hmm. it actually has done what you've told it to, even if it took a while to get there. And I said to her, God, you know, if people were more like that with themselves, you know, rather than seeing yourself looking back and then feeling all the shame and kind of literally, you know, holding yourself down and shaming yourself, mm. but rather to give yourself that, give yourself the proverbial dog treat. <laughs> yeah. Do you get what I was, like, oh, do you get absolutely. my metaphor? It's just like, yeah, yeah, absolutely. You know, I often talk about the, the that flagellation, that thing that the, uh, isn't that a great the, word? The monks, Flagellate. Yeah. The, the, the literally whipping of yourself. I, there was, what yeah. was that? Uh, the Da Vinci Code. I watched, mm-hmm. rewatched that a little while ago, and there was this crazy monk who used to whip himself, and that mm-hmm. was actually quite a common practice, apparently, back in the day. And that that crime, and I mean, this is the I'm talking about inherited trauma. This is the the system that our culture has been built upon: yeah. crime and punishment. Yeah. You know, evil, evil, yeah. and good, good and evil, and this light and dark, and thinking if we're having impure thoughts or fantasies or whatever it is that that makes me bad, I'm a bad person and thinking mm-hmm. that I have to be feeling good and doing good all of the time. And this practice come, teaches us how to accept all of that, all of that, mm. all of our darkness, all of our joy, embracing the shadow. There is so much mm. insight to be learned in embracing the shadow. Mm. Uh, and that was a huge part of, of Carl Jung's work in exploring the shadow. No, don't deny it. Don't suppress it. If we suppress it, it's not going to make it go away. Mm. It's just going to compress it and it will pop out, guaranteed. And that's where little T's become big T's. Big, yeah. Little traumas become big traumas is if we suppress and we don't deal with the little trauma successfully, then we are going to have big trauma, whether we're causing big trauma for ourselves or inflicting big trauma on other people Mm. we but if we do conversely if we do do the work Mm. we can end that cycle so the the little traumas or the big traumas that have been handed down to us and we've experienced in our life for whatever reason if we do the work we do have the capacity to shift and to, and to end that line, whether it's a family line or whatever it is, that we have the capacity to see it more for what it is. And we, rather than acting out upon that and inflicting that, mm. either pushing it back at this at the person who gave it to you or passing it on to somebody else, which is a fairly standard uh, behavior, we do have the capacity through developing vairagya, as I describe it in Sanskrit, but it's really just that compassion for detachment and insight. Mm-hmm. And to see things more for what they are, see mm. our behaviors and our thoughts as in real time. Mm-hmm. And that's a skill. That's a yeah. skill. That, but it's a skill that can be learned. And it's not actually, not a particular with you apply yourself with a, a certain degree of discipline over a period of time. They're skills that are fairly easily learned. And you carry that into your life and you begin to see what that looks like when you're Mm. again talking to that joy that you mentioned before 
I think that's where the joy of meditation comes, where you can do your practice and you take that out into life and you notice yourself behaving in a different way and you're beginning to notice, hey, because I didn't get angry in that incident where in that moment where perhaps I would have previously, I'm not in, you know, perhaps it's a, a breakdown in relationship with another person and mm-hmm. that then just you start to see those ripples and ultimately life becomes more peaceful. Oh, life it becomes and and letting go like you know like say your your partner hasn't done the dishes in the morning or they've turned up late for soccer training or they've let you down or there's something that's upset you this just being able to kind of witness it but let it go mm. you know i think that's a really beautiful thing to work on and it takes some discipline but just letting go because it's that you know, talking of samskara is, you know, if we were to kind of hold on to this stuff and, mm. and push it down and then, you know, like if someone upsets you and then you have a fight with a person and you haven't kind of let it go, you haven't worked through it and you kind of push it down and then every time you hear that person's name mentioned for the next 20 years, mm. you're going to feel shitty inside. But this sense of just letting go of what shows up and what presents itself. And I think with meditation, I have found this has been the case for me. The more I meditate, the more I get into that witnessing, you mm. know, my, and the conscious awareness, I can let go of things so much more because I'm not, again, caught up in this story or, I don't know, it just mm. gives me so much freedom. Resentment is poison. Yeah. Yep. For us. Oh, yeah. If if we're holding on to resentment to, toward anyone for whatever reason, it is making us sick. Totally. Not, not them. And look, there's doesn't necessarily mean we have to it's all love and light either i'm I'm Mm. not suggesting that there are Mm. certain situations where it's okay not to forgive somebody and it's okay to be angry and that's again with dealing with emotion it's okay to be angry Mm. there is such thing as righteous anger uh and there's there is a time and a place for us really standing up and being vocally upset however that should pass you can still let go, though. I think Absolutely. you can still have that moment of like, oh, that really upset me or, you know, it's 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 causing some discomfort for me. Mm. But I can still let it go. I don't have to kind of be so in it and carry on for fucking days about it. Absolutely. Because then it's hurting you. Then it mm. becomes a, if you're hanging on to that for whatever reason and it's, it, we're not dealing with it. We're just mm. hanging on to that resentment towards a person or a, or a thing, or maybe it's an institution that you don't like. Some people just hate the cops, mm-hmm. hate the cops. And that's, a, I mean, it's a great example of people just you know, F the police. And it's, mm. uh, and it may come from one incident or it might just be because your family traditionally didn't like the cops. And if you're acting like that towards the police, I would suggest that you're probably going to cause yourself trouble. And if you can come to an incident with a police officer and be fairly polite and respectful, except that they've got a job to do. Uh, I got pulled over for speeding. It was actually last year, but it was really annoying. And I felt like I'd been trapped a little bit. There was this one, he was waiting for me. He'd been following me for miles. I was actually driving back from Parrish. I was down in the snow and he'd been following me for miles, this copper. And I was, and there was just this 160 zone and I missed the sign that it dropped from 80 to 60 and I missed it and he got me over and I was really annoyed. (laughs) I I could really just give it to him right now. (laughs) And 
it had had that smug little look on his face. La di da, and uh, I was angry, mm. and I felt that at that time I could go, and I had to really check myself and go. I could make this a lot worse right now. I'm just yeah. he had a job to do, and let it go. You know, and let like, it go. There's no point in sitting there and argue, you know, like argue and argue, and you're probably going to get nowhere if you can mm. just go. Oh, okay, this has happened. Let it go. Mm. We've got to stop fighting with our reality because that's what causes the discomfort in us. We're all fighting against our mm. fucking reality all the time. And then I don't like it. I feel uncomfortable. I want to fucking drink or mm. I want to overeat or I want to go and all the things. That you can Self-medicate do. in so many different ways. Change the way I feel through some behavior or action. There's so many wonderful ways to change the way we feel. And some are obviously healthier than others mm-hmm. uh, and if over time you can develop better habits which maybe will replace the more toxic habits but i think yeah. that underlying need just to change our feeling because of we're not comfortable with dealing with anger or happiness or all the emotions and uh, yeah that's where the magic of meditation comes as we can sit with that whole experience of life sit with grief sit with sadness that's a big one I think if you're going to watch a loved one suffer tragedy or you're experiencing tragedy in your own life or just witnessing tragedy in the world and, and seeing all of that for what it is, but also seeing that in the scope of all things mm. uh, and being able to, to, to set with that's a, that's it becomes beautiful. Yeah, because it- if you're struggling to lose weight, you've probably heard about weight loss medications like Wigovi or ZepBound. And you might be wondering if they're right for you. Meet Plush Care, a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. If you qualify, they can safely prescribe you medication from the comfort of your own home. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Is, that is life happening. This, mm-hmm. this is life in action. There will be suffering and Absolutely. there will be big complications and there will be stuff that's going to come up. But learn, like this is what we need to teach our children too, to be able to just sit and, and you know, not try and escape what we're feeling because this is what causes all the shit in our life. It's a mm. trying to, um, trying to escape suffering that leads to so much pain and leads to mm. more suffering. Really. That's what it causes in the long run. It's our attempt to escape the suffering causes more suffering. Absolutely. You know, being able to just front up and accept life as it is, accept life in all of its majesty and all of its despair and mm-hmm. being able to just, take that on and again re- remain equanimous i i can be the same on on the best day if i'm having my my best day which is probably me going surfing with some friends 
catching great waves, having some, a beautiful meal, playing music with my friends, dancing with my partner, seeing my family, all these wonderful things could happen. And, and that's great. But then two days later, I might be having a terrible day at work, all the wrong information's coming in and, you know, I get a, a, a bill from the tax department and what else? My, my police officer friend pulls me over. All, all of those things can come. Can I be the same? Mm. Can I be the same in, in those differing situations? And obviously mm. there's, there's different experiences and it's not the same. But for us to be able not get addicted to ch- chasing the, the joyful times, that can be, certainly it has been for me, uh, chasing happiness, mm. chasing pleasure. Finding your center, isn't it? It's mm. finding that center. So can I kind of remain fairly stable through the good and the mm. bad stuff that, that shows up? And that's the challenge, people. <laughs> oh, it's the game of lifetimes. Yeah, wouldn't and, that and- be amazing to be able to get to that, you know? But yeah. to be honest, I'm better, I'm better with big stuff. Mm. you know, the really big stuff that happens. I'm kind of pretty good, but then it's the, the little stuff, the little niggly. I think that's really common. I think, mm. you know, people who you know deal with drug and alcohol issues often, it's the benign, boring stuff. For me anyway, that is mm. that I just find life boring a lot yeah. of the time. I want to make it more fun. And if you give me a disaster, I'm, I'm there. <laughs> I'm, I'm ready. I'm, yeah. I'm good at that. Yeah, but yeah, me too. Give me a tax return to do. <laughs> I'm not so great at that. I need help, and I need to do tax returns. It's for better or for worse. The tax department demanded of me. Yes. Oh my God, Ash and I are so the same. We're like great in a crisis, but God, if we've got to do some life admin, oh, it's like we'll avoid it to, you know, yeah. bribe each other to do it for <laughs> the other one. <laughs> but um. Yeah, Ben Schiller did a really beautiful talk with one of my groups about anxiety recently and he was on the podcast last week. Um, And he mentioned in the talk with my group that he's like, alcoholics hate discomfort. They hate Mm. pain, any emotional pain, any pain. They might be probably better with physical pain, but they hate discomfort. They don't want to feel the discomfort. So sorry, any alcoholics that are listening and don't agree, Mm. but big drinkers, like I'm, I'm, definitely was probably that I didn't like to sit in the discomfort however that looks so it might just be the discomfort of oh my god these people are judging me or oh my god Mm. I'm not being enough right now for this you know for me it was really around social anxiety I guess was my discomfort but the reason that the reason I wanted to even get you on today was to talk more because we talked with Ben about skills around anxiety and and how to deal with anxiety but for me, and also listening to Michael Singer talk um, on this as well, but just like, why am I not okay? So mm. we've we've got the anxiety, we're dealing with our anxiety, but to go a level deeper or for the craving, let's say it's the craving of alcohol or craving of a substance, what is it in me that's not okay that I'm trying to, to fix here with this mm. alcohol or, you know, with whatever's going on? And to delve into that more and really kind of try and figure this out. Okay, why am I not okay? Mm. Yeah, well, I think we've talked around that a lot in, mm. in this idea of it's not necessarily always going deeper. I think it's actually a lot of the time it's going further out. Further out, yeah. Further out and getting a, a broader view. And this, again, coming to this idea of Vairagya, a little bit of distance and, and spaciousness between you 
and that feeling of anxiety. And once, if you can maintain that disposition of the witness, which is a really important term in meditation, where you can be still and you can be impervious and see whether it's my craving for a drink or my uh, resistance to do a certain task, I can see that more for what it is and just compare that to other experiences and just often talk about it in, in practice of just it's like you're picking up an interesting stone off the beach and you're just picking it up and go, oh, that's interesting. I turn it over, but I'm seeing it from arm's length. Mm. So that's my, say that stone is a representation of my desire to have a drink and I'm seeing that from with a spaciousness and, and go, okay, that's that. And I can see it from different sides and I can examine it from arm's length, but then I can let it go mm. and I can put it down. And so I'm, A, I'm not having the drink, but B, I'm, I'm feeling into the why more mm. and more I'm in this situation. And that might just be quite small scale. I'm in here, I'm at a restaurant or a wedding and I'm feeling like I'm having a drink because that's what I've always done. I'm feeling a little bit awkward. I can feel that sensation in myself. That's an experience and I can see that but why why and then yeah why am for I me it would be for me it would be well maybe I didn't do my practice this morning mm. because I don't usually feel social anxiety very much anymore I used to mm. but if I do my meditation practice I am generally pretty good and I know mm. that if I'm going to go into situations which may trigger me I'll make a point yeah you've got your plan but yeah. for people that are in early sobriety or even considering sobriety people that a feeling that alcohol's got a bit of a hold on them, mm. perhaps being able to look at it a bit more objectively when you're having the craving because the craving essentially or the, the drinking of the alcohol is an attempt to feel okay, right? Mm. So, okay, well, why am I not feeling okay? And mm. how can I feel okay without the drink? So yeah. for you, Mark, it's obviously for you, it was leaning into the, the meditation and mm. perhaps people listening, that could be an avenue. But if you're not there yet, yep. if you're yep. not there in yoga land yet, Sure. Look, I, and I don't necessarily think yoga land is the first point mm. of call either. Mm. It can be helpful at any stage. Mm. Uh, there's no bad time to start meditating. It's like there's really just, it's going to support you wherever you're at. But a bit of talk therapy, mm. talking to somebody, it's generally you're not going to figure it out on your own. Going and just going, I'm just going to think about my problems and I'm going to figure out what the problem is. Mm. I tried that for a really long period of time. It didn't work. What did work was going to see a psychologist and a counsellor and talking to peers around what the issues were. People, particularly mm. people who are sharing a similar experience, talking those things through and mm. hearing, listening to what other people have to say around their own experiences. Mm. People, you're not reinventing the wheel here. You're not the first person to go to a party sober. You're mm. not the first person to stop drinking. You're not the first person to go into a new relationship and you're not the first person to break up in a relationship. All of these things, even the most tragic of things, mm. have been done before. And there are people who've been through that who are really willing to help you. Uh, mm. You've just got to reach out and, and they're there. Like They're not hard to find, actually. When you're, mm. when you're ready, if you make yourself available to listen... Uh, and I mean, I think uh, finding a good psychologist or a counsellor is a great place to start. Uh, it could be an AA group. There's so much compassion and wisdom in there or just any sort of fellowship of, of humans who are on a similar wavelength. That's probably the, 
the first port of call. I know there's a huge waiting list at the moment to get into therapists, but you know, mm. like if you're feeling, let's just say social anxiety, that's mm. a good one because that causes a lot of drinking. And you know, if you're feeling that and okay, why am I not okay right now? Okay. Well, I'm feeling really socially anxious. I feel like that people are judging me or I feel like I don't know what to say, mm. whatever this, however this social anxiety shows up for you, maybe just voicing it to a friend that would understand you know, to say, oh, I feel really awkward. When I go to a party, I feel like blah, 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 whatever mm. it is. And to see if, if there's a friend that's safe enough to, to talk to about it, mm. even there's a good start. Just just trying to kind of dig deeper and, and being vulnerable enough to share so mm. someone else can share in that with you and perhaps they might give you some wisdom or I feel that too. Well, when Ben did this talk with my group the other, every single person, there was probably 40 people on the call Everyone had experienced some form of social anxiety and it was really quite eye-opening because we're all... Yeah, you too. <laughs> yeah, everyone's like, oh my God, yeah, and in different degrees. Yeah. But it was this common thing. It was yeah. like quite amazing. So Yeah, it's. I think it's almost universal mm. and, and that's... I mean, it's hysterical when we laugh and we go, you too. Yeah, me too. Even the people you think, oh my goodness, it's so comfortable and confident. How could you be mm-hmm. feeling anxious? I don't know. Just it's just that's how I felt. And sometimes people who look really boisterous and and look confident are actually doing that just to fill in a gap for whatever reason. It's having compassion for other people in wherever they're at and just acknowledging that everybody is dealing with some sort of trauma. As I said before, even mm. if they don't know what they are, and it's not our job to figure out it out for other people. I think, oh, you've got this and this and this. That doesn't go down well. Uh, But what I think having that viewpoint and having that compassion to yourself and certainly in my experience when we lean into into vulnerability, Mm. then uh, Brene Brown's work was just so potent and powerful when Mm. she started really openly communicating at that level. I remember when I first heard her speak, I was like, wow. We're actually having these conversations at a really global conscious mm. consciousness level. It's like this is really feeding into the to the global dialogue now, and it's okay to not be okay. Mm-hmm. It's okay, and let's talk about it. Let's laugh about it. Yeah. Let's let's share all the silly things that we've done mm-hmm. when we felt insecure and and didn't feel good enough or comfortable enough, and let's support each other to develop strategies mm. and hold each other's hands. As, as as we walk our way home. Yeah, that's so beautiful. Ramdas. Ramdas. Yeah. Indeed. But that's what I like about you and that's what I instantly liked about you was that you 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 know, you run this yoga school, you teach meditation and breath work, but you you're not this kind of guy sitting there going, Oh, I've got it all figured out. You're really vulnerable in, in that and honest to say, mm. you know, yeah, I fucking get to the airport and get stressed out like everybody else. You know, mm. I'm it, there's no bullshit there and I think that's really relatable. Mm. Because, you know, no one wants to learn or really even fucking listen to someone that sits there and acting like... Because no one's got their shit together. No. Nobody. No. I don't care who you are. And if you sit there trying to act like you do... Yeah. Well, it, would t- it wouldn't work. With the work I do, it's very much based on equality. Mm. And that the things that I can share with you are techniques, mm-hmm. which I have learnt and I'm a good student. And I think I'm a good teacher and I've understand these skills and techniques. It's not stuff that I've invented. Mm. It's stuff that 
I have learnt and has been passed down through lineage. Mm-hmm. And actually the the work and the techniques are, are much better served if I can take myself out of it a little bit. Let's mm-hmm. just focus on you learning that technique and, and it's quite, you know, there is specific, you do this and you do this and you do this and there's a, a whole system of techniques that are worked together. It's not about me very much. Uh, but as f- it, the bits that are about me is I can show you and I can explain to you how I've used the techniques mm. To change my life and how I continue to use the techniques and the philosophical understanding to navigate my way through a complex world. Yeah. Uh, And as I've heard it said, uh, if I was didn't have any problems, if I didn't have any vrittis left in me, these modifications of mine, I'd be perfectly enlightened. Mm. Beam me up, Scotty. I'm done. I think we've got a while to go yet, unfortunately. I mean, no, not unfortunately. Fortunately, I'm not ready to, to check out. And I think that's a that's a nice place to be in. I'm still in, I wouldn't say I'm in Struggle Street, but I'm in the game. Mm. You know, and, and it's this, I'm playing the same game as you are. You mm. know, and, and it's not me versus you either. It's me mm. and you and mm. me and you and, and we're out there playing with other people and mm. supporting other people to figure out their karma figure out their challenges and support them to do better. And ultimately, if that is a ripple effect that Mm. we pass through to each other and pass on to other people and they start supporting other people, that's magic. That's, that's society changing. That's the world evolving. And that's the level I think we need to feed into of this idea of creating an intrinsic revolution of human beings. We're finding our own level of, autonomy we're finding our own level of insight self-awareness we're improving our karma our field of karma and we're sharing that with other people and supporting other people to rise ultimately waking the world a better place Uh, it's the only way that humankind is going to sustain itself yeah yeah it's so true and in the sharing of just the sharing of our vulnerability and the, the mm. honesty, like coming out and, and being honest and sharing our stories, like all the people I've had on this podcast so beautifully come and share their story, mm. you know, with no bullshit. Mm. Some people have told the most horrendous things on this podcast mm. and, you know, not just this podcast, but the world at large, like if we're out mm. sharing and being vulnerable and honest. That's where it starts. That's where it starts for yeah. sure. And that's when we have the then permission for other people to have some awareness about what's going on yeah. for them. Yeah. And I think, the, I think it powerful. starts with a, Hey, I'm not okay here. Yeah. Can, can anybody help? Mm-hmm. And just because you're not okay in one thing doesn't mean you're a complete write off either. And that's that, sure. that I love this idea of being this concept of being right sized, becoming right sized. I'm not some glorified life guru who has everything figured out and can just talk down to you on any topic. But likewise, I'm not some piece of shit who doesn't know anything about anything. And there's, but there's, I'm somewhere in between. I sort of move between those two points between life guru and just, you know, vagrant, vagrant idiot that, that, uh, and, but there was a time probably when I was drinking, that's how I would, literally go i would be like i've got everything sorted out i thought success was having to have everything sorted out yeah me too and Mm. what i've come to rear and then what would happen is i would collapse i'd just become exhausted yeah after trying to maintain that for however long and then i would collapse into drinking and then despair and depression and then i would be on the other end of it i've got nothing figured out 
you know, I'm, I'm just, I'm just taking up space here. And mm. sobriety for me has become about being right-sized. I'm okay. You know, I've got a right to be here. I have a value in this space. I can, I can help people. I've got things that I can do and wisdom that I can share that is going to be of value to other people. Uh, and I am able to support other people and support myself on this journey. But likewise, I don't have it all figured out. And I need other people to help me. Mm-hmm. I need other people to help me. It's this give and take. It's the Shiva mm-hmm. Shakti happening, mm-hmm. the giving and the receiving. It's so important to be able to receive. Absolutely. Yeah, totally. And you're good enough. Good enough. Good enough. Good enough. That's the mantra. Yeah. Good enough. Take that one and, yeah. and, and run with it. Yeah. <laughs> Our um, Mark Purser HIQA merch. Mm. Also, too, in the teaching and helping other people, like I find when I'm working with my groups, it's also, it keeps me in check. It keeps reminding me of the daily practice or it reminds me about what's so important about gratitude or what's so important about meditation. And I, I'm assuming you have the same thing because when you're teaching people, mm. it's a great reminder that, and that, so you don't have to be a teacher perhaps, but even just talking to people about mm. what works for you and and why it works and, mm. you know, I think just, just share. Like the more we just share and share our knowledge and yeah, share Yeah, absolutely. Truth. And look, one of the things you mentioned before about teaching meditation of, you know, I mean, I've studied quite a sophisticated system of yogic meditation and breath work and there's a lot to learn. There's a lot to learn. But likewise, like we, we come back to this point of just really you can start with meditation just by teaching somebody to observe their breath. Mm. Do that sip, sip, sigh breath. Mm-hmm. Uh, for anyone who didn't, let's do let's do that one again. It's just a that wonderful, a, a wonderful reset. The people didn't we we shared that one the last time we spoke, but it's so simple. And just taking a, a full exhale. We're all going to do it now. So if you're listening, okay. join in. We're going to just let go of the breath. It's a nice place to start exhaling, and we're going to sip the next inhalation in. Take a sip of breath, and then take another sip of breath. And then open your mouth and ah. Uh, <sighs> so sip, sip, sigh. Let's do it again. Inhaling, inhaling. Open the mouth. Uh, uh, so simple. So good. So simple. So good. <laughs> you can share that with anyone. I don't mm. own that. I just heard it from somebody else a little while ago, mm. and it's. Just the simple breath practices and Mm. what's intrinsic there is bringing mindfulness to breath, Mm. slowing down that exhalation, bringing, asserting a sense of control over your breath that can completely reset your nervous system. You could save somebody's life with that Mm. practice. So if someone's spiraling and if you just want to give them a simple tool, anybody can share that. Mm. There's there's no license that you need to be able to share a breath practice or a meditation practice. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think we have an obligation to, if we've got any skills that we can offer, but you don't have to become a life guru at the same time. You know, there's mm. no need to feel like you have to take it all on. I see a lot of meditation teachers and yoga teachers and not my students because we, we speak about it a lot, but, if teachers can often feel like they have to become that life guru, they have to know mm. everything and uh, you don't, 
You don't. Mm. You just need to know a few techniques that you're comfortable with, that you've practiced and you, you're, you know they work and you kind of have some insight into how they work and you can share that and, and not attach your own ego to that. Mm. And then, hey, we're away. You know, if, I think people can learn that stuff really quickly and pass the parcel. Pass the parcel. Well, one of the one one of the main things that I teach people in in my courses is just to extend your exhale. Mm. You know, when the anxiety kicks in, yeah, or you're feeling your nervous system's on, just extend your exhale, and that has been proven. Like it's a medical fact, it's a scientific fact that that Absolutely. stimulates the parasympathetic nervous yeah. system. Yeah, like so if you look at all of the breath practices that have become popular, and I know a lot. Uh, that that sort of gets you back to that point of just slow, you know, there's the simple things that the, the lengthened exhale, the belly breath mm. becoming mindful of, of if you're looking at a meditation practice, just becoming mindful of your breath or becoming mindful of sensation and touch. It's, it, it is, we, we come back. I've talked about breath awareness as being the first and the last of meditation practice. And it's, the first one, because it's generally the first one people are introduced to, but we don't stay there because, not because it's not good enough, it's because our minds are so discombobulated that they can't stay there. And so mm. the meditation technique has to evolve in a way that keeps up with the human mind. And so we ultimately go and do this huge journey with meditation, which uh, particularly if you're talking about like the, the Dharana techniques, the concentration techniques, which is Kriya Yoga and all the inward awareness techniques, ultimately to get you back to the point where you can sit comfortably with your with breath. breath. Yeah, that's, a, that's the crazy thing. It's the simplicity of it. Mm. It's just to be with the breath. And, and the, well, that's what I find for me. That's my experience mm. of it. That And even sometimes when I bring in a mantra to my meditation, which I do, that's how I was taught. But sometimes I actually just let it go and just go back to the breath because I actually find that's more stilling. I sometimes I find the mantra keeps my mind a little too active. Mm. Yeah. So yeah. I don't know. So sometimes I just let that go and just stay with the breath and then. Mm. Yeah. Which says to me that you're doing, you're doing well. That the, <laughs> the way that I understand meditation and the way I teach meditation is this layering of awareness. So you start with the breath and then you'll, layer in a mantra and then you'll layer in potentially this internal awareness along pranic pathways which is sort of more the kriya yoga techniques um and it as my teacher taught me so the reason that all that stuff was invented was just to keep up with the human mind because Mm. we kind of we want more we'll get to something and we'll get it and we can tend to get bored Uh, but once you've transcended that just coming back into real life and and just being able to be present. And I think that's probably beyond the grasp of most people, but theoretically, if you're really good at meditation, you don't need to sit down and practice anymore Mm. because you're equanimous throughout life. But certainly in my case, I I need to practice. I still need lots of practice. Well, bring it into your daily life too. Like, so, you know, if you're making a coffee, perhaps you just sit there and, okay, what's my body doing and what's mm. my breath doing and stay with the breath for a couple of, you know, just even one round of breath. Mm. Even while we've been talking, I'll be sort of take some conscious breaths, you know, just while I'm here just to kind of stay grounded yeah, and absolutely. present. Yeah, absolutely. They're really useful. Like mm. having little moments, one of the things I often do, I use a lot of mudra, mm-hmm. uh, just hand mudras, so hand gestures. So... Uh, taking the index finger tucked into the thumb. It just brings a, a gesture of 
consciousness. That's Gyan Mudra. So mm. the index finger tucked into the thumb and then the, the uh, middle finger, ring finger and little finger extended. It's a gesture of conscious awareness. Mm. And it's said to have an energetic effect to help steady the intellect. Uh, certainly for me, when I do that, and I've done it a number of times when I'm talking to you, you'll probably start noticing it now, that uh, it just brings me back into myself a little bit. Would that be good for craving? Like say you're yeah. out in a, an event and yeah. you're feeling you're at the wedding and you're feeling the social anxiety and you're feeling you're starting to get a bit heady. Yeah. Could you do that? Absolutely. Bring so, mindfulness to your hands. So people, it probably looks like if you, you're playing uh, shadow puppets. Yes. And what does that look like? It looks like a kind of chicken. Mm, chicken, yeah. <laughs> so it's just, just meaning your index finger, like you index said, and your thumb. The thumb. So that yep. makes a little circle and then... Yeah. yeah, that's a really nice thing to yeah, do. Yeah, and you just consciously place those hands ultimately on your lap, mm. palms facing down. So if you're sitting at a table, uh, I would just, yeah, index finger tucked into the thumb. Just bringing awareness or interlacing your fingers. That's another one with the mm. index finger extended and the thumb, thumbs touching. So the uh, thumbs are touching and then the index fingers are touching and the other three fingers are sort of interweaved. Uh, that's Yoni Mudra. And again, that find that's another one to really center me in, in heart space. I, it, I think the magic, there is this sort of tantric idea that it's working with our meridian system, our body's energy system, and it's helping to steady prana. But on a simplistic level, it's just, if you're aware of doing that, bringing conscious awareness to any action, whether that's the placement of your hands, the placement of your feet, and it can help to relax you, but that could just be a, a conscious breath. Mm. That uh, if you've got a mantra, that's a wonderful time to use a mantra. Like uh, when I use my mantra, it's it's often in daily life. In, if I'm in a whatever situation, not even a stressful situation, if I'm trying to become remain steady and present, if I'm in a meeting, sometimes, and if I'm trying to just remain i mean i wouldn't use it now because i'm talking and that would internalize me i actually i want to be externalized but say i was in a business meeting and i was a little bit bored and i wanted but i wanted to remain present i would use a mantra then and if i was nervous that if you're looking for a mantra uh i mean there's various ways to get a mantra but we're giving one away today for free and that's called good enough there's a little mantra you can you can take good enough and if you're in the social situation if you're at the wedding and you're feeling a bit anxious, yeah, just keep repeating good enough in your mind while someone... I can see those T-shirts. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> We're going to do it. Oh, my goodness. Aren't we what? <laughs> so send us your sizes. <laughs> We're taking pre-orders. <laughs> oh, my God. I'm so excited in October to be doing the teacher training with you, the meditation and breath work. Yeah, that's going to be a journey. Teacher training with you yeah. and... I'm really looking forward to just just kind of diving into that side of things mm. a bit more. And I already teach some little, tiny bit of breath stuff, obviously, in, in my courses and some meditation, mindfulness meditation. But to go that step further mm. and to be able to expand on that even more really excites me for what I can then bring to people that I work with because it's the, it just goes so beautifully. Mm. I think the two are so essential. So. Fundamentally, yeah. really. I mean, look, I don't necessarily say the meditation I teach is – is the, the be-all and end-all of meditation. There's various different techniques. I think they've all got a lot of commonality, all the good ones do anyway. The ones that stick around, they're generally saying the same things or they might have variations on the same theme. But 
I suggest for people who wanting to get sober or newly sober and wanting to stay sober, not just be sober, but be happy about it. Find joy in that experience. Find that feeling of abiding contentment. Then some practice of self-awareness, some sort of meditation practice is going to be fairly fundamental. I think so too. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. Like a hundred percent. Yeah. We have to have that, that awareness because like we've, like we've already covered, but just, there's shit that comes up and we have mm. to not get too into the story because then we're going to try and figure out a way to be okay. Mm. And and often that's the quick fix, which is alcohol. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. So, We've got to learn how to feel the feelings and yep, begin feel to get stuck into the work of life, of, of actually unpacking our samskaras, getting mm. to know who we are, getting to understand why we are. And, and getting to know like what's going on inside us at this moment. So I'd mm. even invite people right now, like, you know, what is going, like go inward for a moment. And what's going on for me right now? What's, what's it like being inside me right now? Mm. And just seeing what's there, just with some curiosity and some awareness. And, and if perhaps, yeah, I'm really on, I'm really on, 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 on. Can we just bring it down a bit, you know, using some of those techniques, which, which Mark said before, some conscious breaths just to bring yourself back. And that's a really full, that's a powerful practice to keep checking in mm. and asking, you know, what's, what's happening inside me right now. Still with me, Mark? Yeah, I'm here. I was having a nice time. I really like meditation. Anyone gives me the opportunity to, to do that? I'm like, sure, no worries. Yeah. You're just off in the little bliss land over there. I am. Yeah. yeah. I it's actually it's been one of my great joys of you know, teaching teachers of being able to receive more. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of my, I mean, I I do my own personal practice, but when I teach, to, I'm sort of teaching them the way I want to be instructed. Mm-hmm. And so when I get to receive that back, I just finished a teacher training course not long ago and, and just being able to receive that back from the students and they're, being, they're guiding me in meditation and yoga nidra. And it's like, oh, what a joy. Oh, so good. <laughs> what a joy. I get sick and tired of the sound of my own voice. A lot of the time I do a lot of teaching, a lot of talking. And yeah. it's, uh, uh, I mean, look, I have things that I need to say and I don't mind doing it, but I love to receive. I love to practice. I love mm. that journey. I, as you said before, I find a great joy in meditation and mm. just that little aha moment that you get of like, wow, you know, I'm actually doing this. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm, I'm in it. I can see this non, I can experience once you've tapped into that non-reactive part of yourself mm. and you begin to feel into that sense of spaciousness, it's like, Ooh, this mm-hmm. is nice. And I, I think, beginning to get a sense of the the potential of that experience of like wow if i can just keep coming back to that mm. and keep taking that into my daily life i've i've got a i mean i'm in this game with a with a shot i've actually got a i've got a chance in chance here and that's exciting and imagine all the illness like i always think too i was saying to ash this the other day to ash imagine like to be so grounded and to be able to stay calm and centered as mm. much as you can as much as possible I think we're like probably fighting off a lot of illnesses and, you know, potential cancers and Mm. all those stress related diseases, which are so many, the autoimmune Mm. diseases and everything, you know, we've kind of got a fighting chance here too, to Mm. be our most healthy. 
oh my versions of yeah. ourselves. Anxiety is the, mm. the root cause of so much sickness. I worked at the, the health lodge in Byron Bay for, uh, I mean, I still do uh, not as much as I used to, but I was working alongside their team of practitioners there. We've got medical doctors, naturopaths, physios, osteopaths, a whole gamut of, of uh, uh, psychologists and psychiatrists, the whole gamut of sort of holistic practitioners working together and we would workshop cases. So we would get people coming in and really acute cases of presenting all like from cancer to digestive, respiratory, all the illnesses would present. And almost 100% of the time, the the root cause you could identify as anxiety mm. of, of some description. And and we all joked for a period of time about changing the name of the, the health lodge, which people that don't know, it's a big sort of holistic health clinic in Byron Bay. Uh, we're going to change the, the name to the breath lodge just because, again, like every single person was identified really clearly. And their practitioners there are really switched on. They're thinking holistically. Uh, which is not always the case with the medical fraternity for whatever reason, but their medical doctors are really switched on and and they would be able to identify poor breathing and quality mm. breath, learning how to, again, what we're talking about, these simpler practices. Where's your breath? You could notice it now, something mm. we could really put your hand, one hand on your belly, one hand on your chest, and just notice where you're breathing and how you're breathing. So the first part of a, a breath practice is just to notice what the natural breath looks like. So just do that now. Notice where the breath goes. Is it up into the chest or down into the belly? And now we're going to try and expand that breath now more into the belly. So focusing more on an abdominal breath. Feeling that breath into the belly. Noticing where the breath is going into the belly. Maybe you can breathe a little bit more into your back body like you're inflating a balloon, breathing into that belly like you're inflating a balloon. And then slowing down the exhalation. Just have another breath or two in that way, breathing into the belly deeply and fully. With a long, steady, slow exhale. I could just keep doing that all day. Oh my God, me too. <laughs> we should do more podcasts. We should. <laughs> we should. So I think the next time we get together, we should just have a, a breathing podcast. We'll just get together and breathe. Yeah. Oh, I should get. I had Sam Brown. She's a really great friend of mine. She does a lot of breath work, and she mm-hmm. also comes into my challenges and works. She does like we have a little mini breath course built mm-hmm. into the course, but she's been on the podcast and we've had her just take people through a, a whole breath work session, which is really beautiful. And awesome. it, yeah, and people just go back and download it all the time. So we should do that one time. Yeah, absolutely. Would oh. love to. I mean, look, the breath, it's certainly in the way I approach meditation, breath work is the key. Mm. You know, you, you, there are meditation schools and techniques that just teach meditation on its own and that's fine. Uh, and it, Look, it's it has its value, but in my experience, breath work is the uh, it's going to make it so much more accessible. Yeah, it's a good gateway in. Oh, it is sure. the gateway, and it's not just again not something I've made up. That is the clear, very clearly defined path mm. of yogic mm. meditation is that you proceed meditation practice with pranayama, or breath work. Uh, I think what happens, I th- we 
mentioned before, a lot of people get stuck in the asana part of yoga and just doing the physical practice and we forget to keep going uh, and that that using the breath. And again, it doesn't have to be overly complicated, just the, the long exhales, the belly, all the stuff we've done today, the sip, sip, sigh breath, the, the belly breath, the long exhales. And we can progress from there. There's certainly more that can be done. Uh, there's a very sophisticated field of understanding that is a lot of fun to play with, uh, but it's the simple stuff mm. that really transcends. Uh, yeah, and it makes all the difference. Yeah, and you do five minutes of calm, intentional breathing and you'll find your ability to slip into meditation is just mm. uh, so much better. Yeah, and if you're having a big craving, I would say try and mm. slip into some intentional breathing just yeah. to be with it and run off to the loo, run mm. out to your car, whatever you have to do just to check in and, and take some conscious breaths and you'll probably find the craving will pass or you'll settle the nervous system yeah. enough. Yeah, absolutely. Having, I think, a set of tools that you can use, some breathwork practices, mm. useful meditation techniques are great as sort of a what we'd call a top-down approach. So that's great to sort of prepare yourself. But if you're in a crisis situation, you're not just going to you know, stop, drop and meditate because mm. you're going to be too anxious. But it's uh, in these top-down approach, approaches to dealing with uh, anxiety and trauma, then we're basically, it's that training that so we can come in. If you're in the traumatic experience, the meditation technique is sort of, it's too late. Uh, but breath work might work, some strong focused breathing, going for a brisk walk, making the phone calls, doing those more active, active things, which can help you. Uh, but again, it's like having that full set of tools that you can use at any given time. Yeah. But any of these tools we've suggested, any one of you listening can use these tools. So if you're feeling, you know, if, you, if you're having a trauma response, mm. if you're feeling stressed or, you know, you've got, you've just heard them, you know, write them down if, if you need to remember them, but you can go back to them. And you you have to have some action. <laughs> mm. You can't be passive in your in your recovery. I think there has to be some action. So that's you know finding out a local breath work course that you can sign up to. You know invest in some meditation. There's shitloads of stuff online for free. Insight Timer is amazing. Mm, amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Are you on Insight Timer? Do we yes, do? I yeah. am. That's right. Yes. Yeah. Um. You know, so there's there's lots of things you can do, but be active in it. Don't be passive in your recovery. Mm. Be, and don't be passive with life. Yeah. Don't be passive with your nervous system. Get out there and do it. Yeah. Get it. Don't be passive with your social anxiety. Like, get a handle on this shit, people. Yeah, absolutely. And <laughs> like we said before, that vulnerability of just accepting that it's not perfect. I do have social anxiety. I do have an alcohol problem. <clears throat> I do have a financial problem and I need to get help with whatever these things are. Mm. And these, I'm going to do something about it. And mm. it starts small, make a phone call, ask yep. people for advice. There's, it's possible. It's really mm. possible. You know, we're, we're, we're here to tell you if mm. we tell you nothing else, it is possible and it's glorious yeah. It, uh, it's that wonderful saying that uh, life wasn't meant to be easy, but take heed. Uh, no, but take comfort because it can be amazing. Mm, that's nice. Mm. Bit long for a t-shirt, but a bit long for a t-shirt. <laughs> but I still like it. <laughs> yeah, that was a. Uh, I remember my dad used Malcolm Fraser, who was an Australian Prime Minister, 
was famously quoted as that people attributed it wasn't he didn't say that but uh, yeah but it take heed because it truly can be wonderful yeah absolutely and it is wonderful it is wonderful to experience life even the the shit stuff as we've mm. discussed so it's all wonderful it's um it's meant to happen life is not easy mm. and um the more we can kind of accept that and stop fighting our reality of what shows up we're going to be a lot better off for it and we're better together yeah. It's, life is not supposed to be done on our own. No. No, absolutely not. There's a time and a place for a bit of alone. Sure. But absolutely. connection is Fundamental. everything. Yeah, yeah. Connection is everything. Yeah. Yeah. Far out, Mark Purser. Again, I could just... Oh, yeah. We'll can just you just... Going. Maybe next time, like, you just set up here for a few days. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was spewing Ash wasn't here because I was like, oh my God, you're going to love this guy. you I wished he I'm was sure in we'll the conversation. I have met Ash many years ago. I was thinking about it actually to, to earlier today. I was thinking I might see him today. It was Bridgetown Blues Festival in about 2003 or four. that uh, we were both sort of probably young young lads. Yeah, I think he uh, got in trouble there for drinking on stage. Yeah, he did. Yeah. yeah well, yeah, and I was because we were all drinking a lot. Mm. That's what happens when you get free alcohol it's like <laughs> at, at music festivals that... Uh, yeah. It's interesting to see, you know, I love seeing the journey people take over time mm. and the choices people take. And it's just so nice to see Ash doing what he's doing now and, and mm. shining his light mm. for so many others to see of like, yeah, this is, this is cool. And what he's achieved since he's gone, since mm. he's become sober, since mm. he's given away alcohol, how... His career, like so much stuff, is amazing stuff has happened, and he manifested so much mm. amazing stuff, and you know, gigs at the forum, and you know, all this beautiful, amazing stuff he's doing, and it all came out of this sobriety because he wasn't passive; mm. he was very active in all the choices he made and what he did, and ooh, laser focused. Mm. And it was, it's beautiful to just see it all unfold. And... Oh, isn't it the most beautiful thing to watch mm. a human being, particularly someone you love, but. You know, we love everybody, so it's mm. great to see mm-hmm. anybody who takes those decisions. And I mean, Ash is, you know, he's a rock star, and he's like, it's to see him. It's like a, it's a big shining light, but which is awesome. But to see other anyone who takes mm. those choices and makes so whatever it is when they're stepping up into that mm. better version of themselves at whatever level, it's just like, yeah, you go. I know, just like go. even you know, people on the podcast that you know they. Like they might just have got, you know, some sobriety under their belt and, you know, they might not be up on a stage or they might not be doing, you know, anything mm. crazy like that. But what they've done and the way that they've transformed themselves, to me, that's rock star level. Mm. You know, it's just incredible and it's so inspirational. Yeah, I really strongly believe that everybody has something in their life. You know, if we, we go into our quiet minds and that little voice that's there, the positive one that is sort of speaking to you, that little whisper that say, hey, you can do this. You know, that thing that you always sort of wanted to do for whatever reason we haven't quite got to do. And it might look, you stop drinking, it might look really different. Uh, for some people, you know, it might be having financial security, it might be owning a house or it might be having a relationship or stepping into a new career path or whatever it is. And anxiety just gets in the way. It just, it cripples us. And if we can just trust in this moment and become connected and relaxed in this moment, and then we can repeat that over a period of time, 
that is the framework for miracles. That's how miracles happen. It's not just a Ash didn't just step up and walk into a stage and, and get that amazing gig. He made a whole bunch of little decisions to get him, which were probably preceded by a degree of discomfort and pain and uncertainty to get him to make whatever decisions that, sorry, Ash, I'm looking at a picture of Ash, which is, as a schoolboy, he was a very cute schoolboy on the record <laughs> his cover. little flat top. That's his best of album. <laughs> That's cool. Uh, I'm in Ash's studio. Uh <laughs> But, you know, he's made a whole bunch of decisions to get to where he is, but Mm. we've all got these little things. I mean, I had to get my decision. I mean, when I was, I had a, I was in about 2010, I was living in and I'd moved into an ashram and I had a friend, I'd stopped drinking for a period of time. I think I mentioned to you the last time I spoke to you and I had this really close friend of mine and I was just, I was really a bit lost and I said, what do you want? I said, I want to teach yoga and I want to write. Mm. And I was just so clear. I was so clear. And I knew that if I was going to be successful in in those things, I needed to stop drinking. And I almost did straight away. Not straight, like within, within, I think I probably drank once or twice after that. Uh, And then it just, because I was so clear about what I wanted and about who I wanted to be and how I wanted to be, Mm. I found that through the practice of meditation and then, it, then that gave me the strength to say no to alcohol and to do the things that were then required to ensure that. Well, look at what's holding you back in life too. And I can mm. pretty much, if you've got a problem with alcohol, that's one of the things that have to go. But look at what's holding you back from your potential. It could be the people mm. you're hanging around mm. with. It could be the what you're consuming, you know, what media consuming. But also, of course, you know, what we're ingesting into our bodies. So mm. what's holding you back and what can I remove? to then be able to progress forward mm. into and step into the life that I'm meant to live. Mm. Yeah. Thank you. My pleasure. Again, oh my God, my you're so generous with your time and, and everything it. that you bring to this podcast so far. My favorite topic of conversation. Amazing. So, as you can as you can see. Yeah. As you can hear. So look again soon and uh, mm. yeah, if anyone has any questions, please do reach out and we're very happy. Well I'm very happy I'm sure you're very happy to, to mm. chat and just to, to provide that level of support. Absolutely. And of course, as always, I'll put all the links in the show notes of how to contact Mark and yeah, all about the school of the Bamboo Yoga. Bamboo Yoga School. It's ba- Bamboo Yoga School, Byron Bay, but we also, our teacher training wing is the Yogic Meditation Institute, which is Amazing. a bit more austere, has a bit, a bit of gravitas. Mm, well, I'll be there in October and I'm very much fanging for it. I cannot wait. Awesome. Yeah. Right. And amazing. if anyone wants to connect with meditation, as uh, Danny mentioned earlier, if you go to the Insight Timer app and you Google my name, we'll put it in the show notes, but mm. there's, I've got some free meditation practices that you can start with straight away. Amazing. Yes. We'll put that in the show notes. Mm. Absolutely. Okay. Mark Purser. Again, oh. thank you very much. Want flexibility? Take yoga. Want flexibility with your health insurance? Check out United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget friendly medical, dental, and vision coverage that may be right for you. More at uh1.com. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag? Say hello to Quince. 
I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50% to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. 